Nashville-based Tim Quick, well known for his guitar playing in hit Broadway musicals, plus a film and TV composer and producer, is our special guest on episode 21, season 2 of Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Hey, Tim Quick, how you doing? Good, thank you. How you doing? So do you go by Tim or Timothy? I, I've known you as Tim. Tim is pretty much the way it is, yeah. Okay, cool. So we first met um, way back when we were doing the Queen Symphony show and you came in and uh, subbed on that. And uh, we were touring on that show. That was a lot of fun. A lot of guitar stuff. <laughs> that show. Yeah, that was always a beast. Yeah, the little intimidating on that. Uh, so you're uh, originally from uh, Manhattan, New York, New Jersey, that area. Kind of grew up there. Um, you're probably, I would say, really well known or best known for your Broadway stuff. But then also you're touring with the Bacon Brothers. Um, you have your new album release coming out in May with singles already out now. So you're like a man of many hats. How did you first start playing and get interested in playing guitar and that kind of thing? Uh, I grew up, uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, but grew up in the generation of MTV when it actually played music videos. So <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, a long, yeah. Well, exactly. A long time ago. Um, so I grew up watching, you know, MTV videos. I loved Back to the Future with the guitar. I was just, a, I, I watched a lot of TV and a lot of movies, I guess, as a kid. And it would yeah. just, it just resonated with me. Um, and my parents also always played, you know, the contemporary pop rock stuff on the radio or whatever and it just kind of always gravitated towards that sort of stuff so I think I wanted to play guitar since I was probably like five but uh didn't actually get one until I was like 11 or so right and cool. the first couple months I I actually hated it because I realized very quickly you had to practice in order to actually be good and I had no desire to practice I just wanted to go out and ride my bike and <laughs> it's like, I want to rock <laughs> yeah I want to rock and it does not sound at all like rock yeah, you know, yeah. <clears throat> unless you've studied and practiced and whatnot so um yeah so I just kind of grew up with with that with a lot of music in the background I had an older sister who had cassettes and cds and I would you know go to her stuff and it just was something that always resonated with me and then eventually it uh, I started practicing and, and here I am today, still practicing as I was doing right before we got on uh, the Zoom. Right. What, what kind of um, music, I guess, obviously rock and roll, that kind of stuff. Were you kind of listen to everything or mainly rock or what was your, your main influences? The main stuff was certainly rock. Um, I just, like I said, I always kind of gravitated towards that at, at the time. It was, you know, a lot of the eighties the rock stuff. Um, right. And then the hair bands and the hair Guns bands, roses and, and, and roses and it's some of the heavier stuff like Metallica and Megadeth that was really really influential on me at the time. But then from studying from listening to those guys and listening to what their influences were, I would go back and be like, okay, I want to check out some of the older bands that influenced these guys, and then get into yeah, like Zeppelin and all stuff, those like Zeppelin and Hendrix and all that stuff. And then the same thing with those guys, I got into what influenced them. So I got into the blues guys um, earlier from them. And then when I got into college, as although it's a little different now, but when I went to college, you couldn't study rock music, really. It was basically, right. you had to do jazz or you had to do classical. Um, and I kind it's of- It's funny with that too, because down the road, like at the time, you're kind of like, well, I want to study rock, but but you learn a lot from studying classical, primarily reading 
that really helps you out down the road, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I had actually studied classical guitar in, in high school and I had studied some jazz guitar in, in high school as well, but I'm uh, still to this day, not a jazz guitar player. I would never consider myself that. Uh, yeah. I, 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 there are many, many players that are much, much better at that sort of stuff than me. So I went into to music school studying jazz and classical guitar. And, where, where did you go to school at, Tim? Uh, initially, I went to the University of Southern California, but then I ultimately graduated from William Patterson University, which is a, a great small state school in New Jersey, about oh, cool. 20 minutes outside Manhattan. Yeah, actually, USC has a great music program. They like do. A, yeah, and they're right there in LA. So, yep, they have a fantastic program, and they, have, they actually have a guitar specific program, which is great. And they have some fantastic players and teachers there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the great thing about being in. I went to Musicians Institute back in the, well, back in the 80s. That's how old I am. But <laughs> and Howard Roberts was still there, like all the original teachers. It was kind of a, it was a really magical place and a magical time. And like you said, like all those 80 band, all those 80s bands were getting signed out of LA. It was kind of fun. Yeah, totally. um, so, uh, so how, tell me, like, how did you get in, make that transition um, from coming out of school? I, I would assume you probably played in some regional bands, local bands, and then you got into Broadway. Can you tell me that transition? Yeah, the way that it started uh, was basically when I was in school, and even before that, I always wanted to write and record and make my own music and, and tour and play in bands and all that sort of stuff. Originally, as most people or most musicians, when they, or guitar players anyway, when they start out, you know, I just want to be in a band and, and yeah. rock more or less. I wanted to, to do shows and, and make music. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was kind of my my end goal. And then I, as I was learning guitar more, I got more into the studio thing where I was interested in who played on what records and all that sort of stuff. So right. when I got into school, I, especially in college, I had a band that that I wrote a lot of music for, and and we put out a couple records and toured regionally and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then through that band, I ended up meeting you know a bunch of other players and other other bands, and ended up getting into the kind of the sideman thing. Right, where I would get hired to play for. Sam. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, you can read a lot of guys, a lot of those guys that were in rock bands <clears throat> weren't necessarily readers, right? That that plays a big big component down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, but a, a lot of that stuff wasn't even like reading gigs. It was you know doing small tours and and right. recording original music, and, yeah, original yeah. music sorts of things. So anyway, I, I was working in the New York City scene a lot, doing all that sort of stuff, and just meeting lots of different players. And then fortunately, one of my good friends uh winston roy who was uh, in a couple different bands that i played with uh fantastic bass player in new york he ended up getting the chair at rock of ages the musical which, oh, yeah that's a fun fun show which, yeah which was a very fun show and it was rock of ages was a kind of its own little subset of broadway and that it was it had a band on stage it was all 80s rock music yeah. um you had to do interactions you had to do wardrobe all that sort of stuff so they needed players that could were comfortable being on stage moving around doing hard rock you know yeah because most most of broadway um is guys playing in the pit which is exactly. a, a whole unique world unto itself right <laughs> right which is a whole yeah exactly it's a whole different thing and that's that requires its own skill set so the guys in uh joel hoekstra who was the lead guitar player for rock of ages was looking for subs that were guys that were comfortable a playing uh on stage 
be uh, memorizing the show because Rock of Ages, because it was on stage, you had to, whole, had to have the whole show memorized. Right. And then you also had to be able to do like the, the 80s lead guitar shred stuff. And, and there weren't a whole lot of Broadway guys, at least at the time, that could do that. So Winston very kindly recommended me to, to Joel and, and I came in and started subbing for him and I subbed for him the entire uh, like five or six years that that show ran. Yeah, and Joel actually, he—I mean, he plays with Cher. He's played with what White, White Snake, I think, a lot of well-known. Yeah, Joel, Joel's fantastic. At the time, he was playing with Night Ranger. Then he yeah. he was and Trans Siberian Orchestra, and and now he's in White Snake, and yeah. also plays with Cher. And you know, fantastic guitar player. So it was it was great getting to know him and playing you know the parts, some of the parts that he originated and whatnot for that show. So then, once I started doing Rock of Ages. I started meeting more Broadway people and, and ended up finding, you know, that it was a great uh, scene to be involved with. And, and um, the, it was a great way to kind of make a steady living as a musician that. Yeah. That a lot and I mean, that's uh, the, the Broadway thing. Um, I mean, you were, I think really fortunate because you didn't have to do the, did you ever really have to audition or you just, you just came in? No, I was really lucky. I kind of came in the back door and mm-hmm. kind of fell into the Broadway scene. And right. then, uh, I, I was very fortunate for that because a lot of musicians come up specifically wanting to get into the Broadway scene. It's a very hard scene to get into. And like I said, it just, kind of, I kind of fell into it and I'm thankful for that. And it, yeah, that was actually me with Cirque. I never auditioned. I came in as a sub, which is yeah. a way better way to come in. Right. Cause then you're kind of pre-qualified. Somebody recommends you. Right. And, and do you, do you find like, I mean, I, I'm sure in your career, you've, you've had that experience where that's really um, the, the relationships you make and the people that you meet along the way. Um, have opened a lot of doors for you, right? In that sense, it, it, that the, the scene in Broadway, it seems like it's very tight. There's probably like a handful of guitar players, a handful of bass players. Is that kind of how it is? Or yeah, it's it's definitely that was kind of two part question. There definitely the my entire career, I can trace back to the people that I met in different mm-hmm. situations that right. referred me to, or or somehow I I was involved in a project because of somebody that I knew and that includes Broadway, it includes the Bacon Brothers, it includes really just any of the facets of my career. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it is, Broadway is a tight knit community. It's a wonderful community of fantastic musicians, artists, actors, and such really some of the, the, the highest level talent in Manhattan. Uh, right. And well, the, yeah, in the world really. Yeah, really, yeah exactly. Um, so it is tight knit, but it's a very friendly and, and uh, wonderful scene to be involved in. Um, but yes, there's absolutely a handful of guitar players that are revolving around all the different shows and stuff. And it's a lot of fun because you play, especially if you're subbing, you're bouncing around between different shows and you're always running into different friends and stuff like that. As opposed to like when I had the chair at school of rock, I was at that show for three and a half years. Uh, and the only other musicians that I would meet at that show were subs that would come in and, and play through Right. And we know some of the same, like Brandon, the keyboard player, and there's some, just some really, really long list of great players and, and actually, and super nice people too. Aurelian's another one that we yeah. have mutual friends. Great, yeah. Great friend of mine. Yep. Um, so you, um, I should say, actually, you're joining us today from Nashville. And obviously part of that situation is due to the COVID thing and Broadway has been shut down. Yeah. Um, but normally what's your, what's, what would be, what would be the schedule for Broadway? Is it a five, six day week or how, how does that work? The typical Broadway schedule is a, a um, six-day schedule. So there's one day in the week that is dark for your show, your given show. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's, uh, well, sometimes it's uh, like Wednesday or Thursday generally. Um, right. 
and then basically it's an eight show week. So you have uh, two, two of those days during the week are doubles. So you'd have like a, say it was Saturday and Sunday had doubles. So you have like a matinee and yeah, you'd have a two o'clock show and an eight o'clock show on Saturday, yeah. and maybe a two and a seven on Sunday. And then the rest of the, the other uh, four days would be like evening shows, like seven. Yeah. So it's like, a, I mean, it's like a day job. I mean, like it's, it's music, it but you have to clock in and do your thing. And absolutely. Yeah. It, it definitely is. It's very much, um, it's like, it's a, it's, sort of like an office job, but the great thing is that it only, if you add up the hours that you're playing your show, it's, it only works out to be about 20 to 25 hours a week of right. playing time if you did all eight shows. So that gives you the, the flexibility to do a lot of other things during your time. During yeah, it's interesting with those shows. I mean, like I know my experience with Cirque, like most people, they go into their job and they do, if they do 85%, 80%, 90%, that's pretty good. But yeah. with those shows, it's different, right? Because, because, you can't make any mistakes. I mean, it does happen, mm-hmm. but the pressure level is, <laughs> it's, yeah. how, how was that for you? Like, was that a comfort zone for you or was that stressful or? It, it's a, uh, it's a comfort zone, for them, but it's definitely stressful at times. There are even on a show like school of rock that I did for three and a half years. Um, there were a couple spots in the show that were always a little bit higher blood pressure, you know, <laughs> right. you, you know, that you're very exposed in the spot and right. Yeah. We would call those butt pucker yeah. <laughs> for lack of but, a better term. Yeah. So you would definitely have a couple of those moments. And then when you're subbing on different shows, even the, the easiest guitar book or easiest show, there's still a couple spots where it's, yeah. you know, there's some, some pressure where you're the, featured instrument or the only instrument or it's just kind yeah. of a, a guessing game sort of thing or yeah whatever. and you've got to bring it you've got to bring your a game every day which is yeah. you know yeah, yeah that that's a, a certain mindset that uh that i think you develop over time and just kind of find your happy your happy zone yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. i don't know uh, well name name some of the other shows that you've played for i know it's and, and sub for because it's it's a pretty long list yeah, uh, well, School of Rock, the musical, uh, I was on for three and a half years. That was where I had a, had a chair. Uh, subbed on a, uh, at least a dozen shows, Lion King, Aladdin, uh, Tina the Musical, uh, Beautiful the Carol King Musical, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Turn Off the Dark, Rock of Ages, as I mentioned. Um, yeah, so a lot of fun music in those yeah, shows. A lot of fun music, and it's it, it, it's it's wonderful to have all those. It was wonderful. I haven't done it in a while, obviously, but um, to have all those different shows at the time, most of the time I would be bouncing around between maybe three shows because that was kind of what could handle and keep my, my brain anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, the cool thing too, is those are long established shows. So the book doesn't really change. It's a set thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was, and that's the other great thing about subbing is that once you learn the show, which maybe it'll take you a couple weeks to uh, six weeks or whatever to, to memorize or not memorize, but get the show under your fingers and get comfortable with it. Right. And play it a couple of times. Once you have that comfort level, like for Lion King, I played that show for 10 years and wow. the show really didn't change. There were little changes every couple of years here and there, but I put in all that work to learn the show in 2010 yeah. and even before COVID hit or right around when COVID hit, I think I subbed on, was still subbing on it. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the thing is too, like, like, you know, that it's nice to be able to do things. So you don't get burned out. Cause if you only did the same show for 10, I mean, some of the guys were on cats for what, 20 something years, right. Yeah. To play, looking at a black wall, playing the same parts. It's like, yeah, you'll start it could be a bit, a bit maddening, right. A little stir crazy for sure. Especially if you're not taking advantage of uh, vacation time and, and doing other things during your days, you can get uh, a little stir crazy. Yeah, yeah, you gotta gotta come back and refresh yourself. Um, 
so one of the things that you did recently, um, how long ago was the Jesus Christ Superstar? That was what that a was, year and a half ago, two years ago. I think it was two year two years ago this year, maybe it might have even been almost three. It was 2018. So I guess we're okay. on the three. Yeah. So um so for those that don't know, so they uh NBC did a live um live version of Jesus Christ Superstar with Andrew Lloyd Webber was conducting, correct? He wasn't conducting, but he was uh involved involved in the in the overall producing of it and uh overseeing of it. Yeah, and then so it was you and and uh, were you first chair guitar or second or how did that? It how was did that kind work? of it was kind of mixed. Um, my so, the, the two there's two guitar chairs in that show, um, and they labeled them guitar one and two. But the other guitar player Dylan Condor and I kind of we kind of divvied up the parts. So oh, cool. I was doing one. Sometimes he was doing one. Um, so it really kind of depended on. There was no lead guitar. Right, I, got you. I did a lot of the solos, especially at the beginning. And then we also, uh, Brandon Niederauer, who's a fantastic young guitar player, did um, the very opening uh, first little intro of, of the show. And then I think he had a little snippet in the, the show as well. But the right. two main guitar players were myself and Bill and Condor. Yeah, and you had some nice features, like where they, I can't remember the name of the song, uh, the one where you kind go ahead. Yeah, the I was gonna say the overture of the show, the opening of it, uh, right? A, a huge feature, which was fantastic and and wonderful. And uh, yeah, well, what was it? What was what was it like pressure-wise doing a live like that? Did you guys get a lot of? I assume you got a lot of rehearsal, but still, like when you go live, like that doesn't happen too much anymore, except for like Super Bowl or that kind of thing. Those right. kind of events are, are are a huge deal, right? Yeah, it was it was great. Um, it was definitely a lot of pressure. It was about two weeks of rehearsal of pretty intense rehearsals every day. I think we had yeah. one day off in those two weeks. And, uh, and for, and for folks that didn't see it, tell you can maybe tell us also to who's, who was in that show because it was like an yeah. all-star. Yeah. 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 It was, a, it was a fantastic production. NBC, as, as you said, NBC aired it. Um, it starred, uh, John Legend, Alice Cooper, Sarah Bareilles, uh, and, and a whole, slew of talented uh other broadway actors and such that right uh and then the it had the full the way that they staged it the full the band was on kind of set and it wasn't a typical it wasn't just a shot of a, a musical theater it was a fully designed and realized set that had scaffolding that went up like five stories yeah it was really cool it was a really yeah it was a really impressive uh design the way that the director visualized it and everybody implemented it was fantastic and then there actually was a live audience of about uh i think it was like 1200 people in the in the space as well and then it aired live on uh i think it was easter sunday uh back in 2018 right. so it was it was a big you know certainly a big deal certainly the biggest show that i've been involved with television wise for sure um and i think it aired for i think like nine million people watched it live and then uh, yeah you know it's funny i was talking to people that <clears throat> way back when had done ed sullivan <clears throat> and you know back then of course there was only like a handful of tv stations so when you went live on a show like that literally the whole country was watching you right. so that doesn't happen too much anymore but like on a show like that was such a big deal with that <clears throat> excuse me with that show that it was such a nice feature plus you guys they showed the musicians a lot right on that on that broadcast yeah absolutely and we had very specific it, my, myself anyways the guitar player had very specific spots where I needed to be at certain songs, like the overture, particularly. We, as I said, we spent about two weeks rehearsing. The first day or two was typically music rehearsal. Then we were on set doing some music rehearsal as well as interacting with the cast. And then the last like five or six days, 
we were on set rehearsing with the cameramen because the cameramen had to be blocked to a certain spot and, and I right. had to be in a certain spot and the actors had to be at a certain spot. So everybody had all these movies. Yeah, there's so many parts and pieces on those yeah. shows. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that the camera now in hindsight that the cameramen would have specific blocking and have to be in a certain spot. But at the time, as a prior to that, I just thought, oh, you know, they always just kind of know where they are, but it makes sense that the cameramen also have their own blocking and such to be sure they get. Yeah. It's like a whole coordinated sort of a dance. Exactly, It's it's a whole coordinated dance with, you know, 150 people on stage or whatever, trying to figure it out. So it was, it was definitely a really, really cool experience. Um, uh, There was certainly a a, a pretty high pressure level with the show, but um, I just tried to keep the TV thing out of my mind and just tried to do the show the yeah you have to find you have to find a zone right to, to yeah. not, not, not you can't be too too stressed out by the pressure and it, it really affects your playing and absolutely yeah you get into the whole mind game thing and then it's spiral <laughs> out of control if you're not careful so. exactly um so you uh one of the things you've been doing for a long time how it was actually the bacon brothers and how long have you been on that gig i've been on that for about three years now although obviously okay. last year we haven't really done a lot we did uh we actually did a recording session for the record that came out this past summer right the day after they announced that, that the country was more or less shutting down for, for COVID. Right. That was the last time I was in a room. At, at the same and that's the Bacon Brothers, for those that don't know, it's Kevin Bacon, who's an actor and a singer. And then what's his brother's name? Michael Bacon. Michael, okay. And uh, that's really a cool thing. It's it's almost like Roots. How would you describe the music? They call it, uh, yeah, it's kind of a combination of, of rock, folk, country, and soul. Um, they have also they, they they vary from intimate acoustic stuff, uh, which Michael they're both talent, very talented singer songwriters in their in their own right. Michael yeah. Bacon tends to be a little bit more of the folk acoustic James Taylor st- sort of style. Um, writes some really fantastic songs in that sense, and then Kevin tends to be a little bit more on the rock side. Yeah, or I always kind of say like a la Tom Petty or something in that that range. And then, but they do. We have country tunes in the set. We have all out rock tunes in the set. We have a tune that we do. It's just all of us are on ukuleles. I mean, it's, it's a pretty diverse uh, gig and it's, it's a ton of fun for me because I get to do electric guitar, acoustic guitar, 12 string acoustic guitar, backing vocals, all these different styles. And I have all these, this gear and it's just, it's a, it's a lot of fun. They put on a really, really interesting and fun show. Yeah, and I I've, I saw them. I, I, you weren't with them when I saw them um, here in Vegas. It was really fun, and like Kevin was a really cool guy. Yeah, it was funny because he walked up to me and he said, "Hi, I'm Kevin Bacon." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking one one degree of separation. <laughs> exactly. That was what I was thinking when I first met him. Like, I, I know who you are, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how else are you can introduce yourself, you know? Yeah, and it was and it was actually it was really cool that he did that. He went around to everybody, introduced himself, which is really nice. And it's cool that he has such a huge passion for music. Music and he wants and they want they want to go out and tour, which is awesome for you as a player, right? Absolutely, yeah. And they're they're fantastic. They're both very talented guys and really really nice nice guys. A pleasure to work with. So. Awesome. How many how many dates a year do they typically do? Normally they do about uh, fifty or so, oh. um, but it depends. A lot of their touring dep- uh, kind of revolves around Kem- Kevin's filming schedule. Uh, right. And he, when I joined up, he had gotten signed up with City on a Hill, the Showtime show. So it was kind of bouncing in between those. And then obviously it's last year. We haven't done any shows because of COVID, but hopefully right. there will be some stuff coming up in the 
summer or fall. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's tricky with the with sort of like I guess the star act or the artist gigs because if they don't need to work, that doesn't really do you that much good as a player. So it's awesome that somebody like him who doesn't really need the money so much from the, from the live playing gigs that he likes to do that. Right? It's as a player, it's a great great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. Oh, go ahead. I'd say just from a working standpoint. Yeah, <laughs> it's, from a working it's, standpoint. A it's also and it, it but it's also but it's it was a nice amount of touring the way that they did it for me and my because I have a young daughter and my family right. and everything. So it wasn't like I was out for nine months straight, not home type of thing. It would normally be like we'd be out for two weeks, come home for a couple of days, be out for two weeks and do that for a couple of months and then kind of yeah, uh, so where, where it's fun and not like not yeah. torturous. Yeah. Fun, but not torturous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and another one of your gigs, um, you've been doing actually for a long time was was that Gloria Gaynor, right? Which is a, she's a I guess I wouldn't say a disco legend, but that she sort of is. She, um, yeah. how, how did that How did that come about? And how how many years have you been doing that? Uh, off and on for like ten years. Um, mm -hmm. and it came about the same way that that any other gig or job that I've had has come about, and that uh, I. I could trace it back to, I knew this person who was playing in her band and they recommended me. And I also knew this other person. So at the time, a good friend of mine, Ivan Bobley was playing bass with her and uh, another good friend of mine, Jimmy Leahy, who plays with Dennis Young um, and at the time was with John Waite was filling in on guitar for her. And they knew that she was looking for a guitar player and I got double recommended for it and came into the first gig and they, they kept using me after that, which was great. And she is, She's fantastic, super, super nice. Her manager, Stephanie Gold, is, is a wonderful person and a great manager. Awesome. Um, and yeah, as I said, I, I worked with her off and on for, for 10 years, still work with her. I just did the um, New Year's Eve Times Square uh, show with her this past New Year's Eve. Mm. And she, everybody knows her from I Will Survive, the disco hit from right. the late 70s, early 80s. But she literally, I think last year or the year before, she won a, a grammy for best roots gospel record she has a fantastic yeah. has a fantastic record out and i think she might be working on another one at this point so she's awesome. one of those people that just wants to keep working and and works very hard and and has earned everything that she uh you know deserves everything that she's earned so yeah yeah like i said it's, it's great it's great when when artists like that really want to work as a player as a side guy like that that's gold because if they're famous and they want to work and then all is good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly, exactly. And she she does. I've I've done. I even in the midst of COVID, I did a couple of streaming and and recording things and stuff like that with her, which mm. is great. So, so t tell me about um your record and how did that come about? Wanting to do is this your first record by yourself? Your first solo record? Or it, it is my first solo record. It's a, a five song EP called Coming Home. Um, it kind of came about. Uh, about in the, in the fall of 2019 or so I started writing some songs because I had been doing the sideman thing for at this point, 15 years, as I, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, I grew I came up wanting to be in a band and play and, right. and do my own songs or do songs with, with other band members that I wrote. And, and uh, I grew up doing a lot of rock stuff and I was very fortunate to kind of fall into all the sideman Broadway thing and, uh, that's provided me with a lot of uh, stability and, and great experiences. But when you're doing sideman stuff or Broadway stuff, you're always at the mercy of somebody else's opinions or thoughts or right. what's needed yeah. for the show or, or what was previously recorded and whatnot, uh, which is a great challenge and a great mindset to be in. But I also wanted to have my own 
catalog or my own music out there that was exactly the way I wanted to hear it. Exactly. Yeah, it, re- it really represents who you are as a musician and as a creator. And you know. exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, and I also had started doing a lot more lead vocals uh, a couple years before that, or a couple years before now. So, like two or three years now, um, and that that's kind of where it came from or, or why I started, started wanting to do it. I had always toyed with doing solo record, but until I really started singing, I'd never really wanted to do an instrumental record. It just wasn't yeah. really what I wanted to do. I, li- I love and appreciate instrumental guitar rock records or instrumental records. But for me, it's always kind of been about song um, and, and about songwriting and such. So I started writing this stuff in, in the fall of 2019 with the intention of doing a full record live in the studio um and then COVID hit <laughs> and then yeah, and went out the window and changed and uh so I stripped it down to, to a five song record and I did most of the, the record myself in my home studio gotcha uh, with the exception of the drums and a little bit of the keyboards and uh yeah so it should be coming out or will be coming out on the full EP will be out on June 4th but two of the songs will be released as singles which are coming out in May. And okay. uh, yeah, so that's where it's at. Yeah, awesome. And and so what was that experience like doing that all by yourself? I mean, obviously you play a lot of different instruments. I, I was just checking out the record the last, last two days and it's really cool because it's soulful, it's rocking. There's a lot of lot of different influences, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, uh, in an ideal world, I'd love to be in the studio live with with the drummer and a bassist and a keyboard player sure. and do it that way. But I'm also very experienced in doing things in my home studio because I've produced lots of records that way and, and oftentimes mm-hmm. record guitars for people at home. Um, so it was not something that I'm unaccustomed to. It's uh, And I think it does get just about as good results as the live in the band live sure. studio uh, version. Yeah, I mean, that's really, and that's really the way of the world these days, right? It's people sending tracks back and forth and, yeah. and remote because going into the studio is a very involved thing with schedules, with money. It's the whole thing, right? It's the whole, exactly, it's the whole thing. So it's it's something that I've been doing for, for years. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun to work on, you know, to A, start with just the writing of the songs and then uh, figure out all the guitar tones and the arrangements and, and yeah. Um, and such and producing is something that I've done for years and that I love doing as well. So it was, it was a fun, fun journey. Um, took a little longer than I thought or wanted it to, because I was doing a lot of it on my own and I also had a three-year-old daughter who was running around. Yeah. I tried to get finding this time. So, yeah. Finding yeah. the time is a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finding the time is, is, is definitely a challenge, but, um, I'm really proud of how it came out and I'm looking forward to, to sharing it with everybody. And you have a lot of uh, also history with film and television, writing and scoring and that kind of thing. What, what Tell me about that world and, and how you got into doing that. Uh, the way I got into it was, uh, as I had mentioned, when I, when I was doing Broadway stuff, you have your days free to do kind of what you want, whether that's practicing or writing or touring or mowing your lawn or whatever it is that you got to do. <laughs> right. um, and I just wanted to maximize my uh, income streams and my productivity and whatnot so i i wanted to do as much writing and recording as possible and i decided i knew a lot of people that were doing stuff for for film and tv and i started picking their brain and actually did some studying on some and some courses on film scoring some things that i didn't really learn in, in when i was in college yeah. uh, orchestration and and um yeah because that's a whole nother world from what just playing live, right? It's a whole, whole different ball game. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game. And 
uh, it's one thing to have a recording studio with Pro Tools or, or Logic or whatever, but to have a recording studio with all the different soft synths for all the different orchestral instruments and the loops and the uh, right. synths and pads and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I really kind of studied up on that sort of stuff. And I was very fortunate that, that a couple of people that I knew that had some um, production music companies uh, started taking my music and putting it into film and TV. And then also started coming to me specifically saying, Hey, we have the show uh, that's looking for the style of music. Can you write us some tracks for it? So mm -hmm. at this point I've written a couple hundred tracks, I think that wow. are you like all the time on lots of the cable networks and reality TV stuff. And even things that I did eight, 10 years ago are still being used, which is, which is wonderful yeah. for me and, and really helped us through these times of, uh, yeah, because that, that's, I mean, that's what people call mailbox money. And basically like these, you know, I guess like older rock bands is, are a good example. Like basically a lot of those bands are in the situation where unless if they're not touring, they're not making money. Right. Because yeah. a lot of them don't have their own publishing. They don't own it. So being able to do something like that, where you get residuals. Um, so when things are slow or something like this happens, you still have some kind of income. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, so I, that was kind of how I got into it. And I still do it to a certain degree. And as I said, some of the music that I wrote years ago is still being used uh, regularly, which is, which is wonderful. Yeah. You get your, your third market royalties for, <laughs> for yeah, whatever yeah, exactly. it is. For exactly. Romania or wherever. Wherever. I'll, I'll <laughs> gladly, wherever. So. Yeah, exactly. it, all, right, it all goes into the same bucket. Um, what's, what's your advice for uh, young players and even songwriters? What, what would be some of the things that you've learned along the way that you'd like to share? Um, definitely uh, persistence and uh, diligence, dedication to your craft, to just continuing no matter what that, to continue on that journey um and practices you know practice and study as much as you can also it's kind of a cliche that there's no dumb questions only whatever that cliche is right if you have if there's something you don't know ask it you know i wish when i went back to if i could go back to my childhood self i had some self-esteem issues or whatever where i didn't ask the question that i and i wish yeah, I you don't you don't want to admit you don't know something yeah right? you don't want to, exactly you don't want to admit you don't know something but just ask the question um you know you'll there's definitely things that i wish i, I had asked when i was younger that i'm that I found out the hard way that later on down the road. Um, and then the, the, I think the ultimate thing is in, in addition to being dedicated and constantly improving and studying and whatnot, is just to, to be uh, humble and uh, open and willing to, to work and, and keep your ego checked at the door. Don't bring it into the, to the session or the stage. Cause no, nobody wants to deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Especially when you're like, you say you're on a, you're doing, you're sitting in a room six days a week with these yeah. guys and you got to figure out how you're going to mentally deal with that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, everybody gets cranky. Everybody has, you know, rough days and stuff like that, but uh, nobody wants to be around the person that's difficult to work with. Um, yeah. You know, I basically, uh, most of my career has been, the answer to everything in my career has been yes. What, right. Whatever they want me to do, you know, especially if you're if you're a hired hand, if that's you want, you know, writing, recording, yeah. playing, changing, whatever. You're unless it's your gig and it's your music, the way that you're you're unless you're in the lead chair of producing or writing or or band leader or whatever. It's it's what the other person, other people want that have hired you to do the job. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's kind of like you know 
like you're in a way you're a plumber going in to do a job and yep. you got to fix, you got to fix what you're hired to do. Exactly. And if you can't, if you can't handle that, then you're in the wrong business. <laughs> like that's, Absolutely. And if you come in and they don't, and you, you know, you butt heads and, and you're difficult to work with, then they're not going to hire you for that. For right. They're not going to want to sit on a bus or a plane with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we've all we've all been there. We know how it is. Yeah, exactly. and that's actually you know that's something. I mean, we've we've remained friends since we first met, and we talk online. And that was actually something that I really liked about you when we first met is that you came into that the Queen a Symphony gig very humble, um, and that's a high pressure gig for guitar. It's a heavy guitar chair, and you were just nice and quiet and did the thing. And and I mean, like you know that that kind of thing always. I'm sure it happens for you too when you meet those people along the way. You kind of make a note like, oh. Okay, that's somebody I could actually call and recommend right. for gigs, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's that's uh, very important, and I'm glad that you you noticed it. And thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I I tell you what. I mean, the, the Queen bass parts are challenging, but the guitar parts, like, whew. <laughs> yeah, the Brian May guitar parts are so good and so insane. And they're uh, that that chair was is a tricky chair for. So I mean kudos to brian may and anybody right that yeah that's it's, it's two guitars so it's, it's all the harmony stuff and yeah, it's, it's challenging yeah. um tell the people how um tell our listeners and and watchers actually how they can find you online uh the easiest way is uh just remember tim quick music uh my website is timquickmusic.com all of my handles for instagram youtube facebook it's all at tim quick music uh okay. so that's the easiest way to find me um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook and then and my website and such. Yeah. And then when, once the record's released, how, how are, they, are they able to find that and download it and all, and all that? I mean, I'll, I'll certainly be promoting it um, and uh, posting about it, but it'll, it'll be on all the digital platforms, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, right. The, the usual outlets. Yeah, yeah. All the usual Apple Music, all the usual uh, outlets. So it should be readily available. And uh, I would appreciate any streams and listens and likes and shares that anybody can give me so thank you awesome and and now as i mentioned you're actually down in nashville obviously new york's been kind of shut down for music um how, how is nashville for you is that a had you gone down there before or how did you end up there nashville is awesome um i've been down here for work a handful of times and it's uh we've been here now at this point of this, this uh conversation about two months or so and it's been oh. absolutely it's been fantastic people are, are lovely and, and wonderful we love the uh really we love everything about it except for the tornado warnings <laughs> yeah <laughs> summer summer's a little hot and steamy too but <laughs> yeah, summer will be a little hot we haven't hit that yet um yeah but it's it's nashville's a fantastic city as as you know and most people know it's it's music city i mean it's got so much history so much music so much talent um yeah and, and people think they associate nashville with country but we were talking about that there's actually a lot of rockers i mean billy sheehan there's a whole bunch of people that live down there that, that people wouldn't assume i would be in nashville right yeah it's it's definitely not the 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 it definitely is the country music capital of, of the world for sure but it's sure. not just country the way that it was maybe you know 30 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever I mean, yeah there's a huge gospel scene a huge christian rock the christian bands almost all of them are associated with nashville right yeah exactly so it's it's been wonderful i've i've met a, i knew a lot of people already and i've met a lot of more wonderful people uh since being down here and and i have 
a lot of friends that have been very kind to, to connect me with some other people. So it's yeah, we can give a shout out to Dave Pomeroy too, which is our mutual friend. <laughs> yeah, he's I guess he's still he's president of the union, right? Musician. If he's not president, he's definitely still involved. Uh, yeah, he, he is president still. So yeah, he was a really really great guy. He played on on hundreds and hundreds of records. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. Um, this this episode will come out. Um, closer to when your record is released we, we were talking about that so when people uh see this your record will be out and uh, are just about to be released and uh, we definitely want to encourage people to check that out we're going to have all of tim's links uh website and all the social media links on the podcast description and uh awesome thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me it was great to talk to you you too man it's nice to catch up <laughs> take care man. i'll talk all right man i'll talk to you soon sounds good bye-bye Thanks for joining us and please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.